everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Thirst is Real podcast. Guys, I, I told you that we were going to have an amazing guest and man, like it, it, it's actually happening. So uh, we've got Walker Scarborough from Troop County, Georgia. So uh, Walker, guys, uh, he's a regular hunter like the rest of us, but uh, he decided to get a camera and decided to just start sharing his hunts with his buddies and his videos turned out to be pretty good, and a lot of people on YouTube thought so, too. So he's <laughs> had some success with that just kind of by accident. But, um, guys, one thing I like about Walker that, you know, um, that I kind of noticed even from his videos is he's a really consistent patient hunter. He's pursued deer and, you know, just has taken some absolute giants. So I guess in that, we're going to try to figure out, like, what his method is and how he does it. So, dude, thank you so much again, Walker, for being here, man. It's just a freaking honor to have you on. So, and uh, I should also mention Kelby is not here because, uh, you know, I'm the one that makes sacrifices on the show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's a joke we got. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, Kelby can't be here today, guys. But this is going to be me and Walker. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk some deer hunting. So, all right. Dude, sounds good. Awesome. Thanks man. for having me. Yeah, brother. Definitely. So, dude, how did you even get into hunting in the first place? Well, you know, um, it's something that's been part of my life since, you know, I was born. Um, my grandparents both hunted and my dad hunted from the time he was a little boy. And there was always deer heads hanging in my house and sheds sitting on the you know porch and all around the house. So I don't really know anything other than hunting. <laughs> so yeah. you grew up with a horn in your hand. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Mm. Would you say that, I mean, I guess when you started, did you, were you primarily a bow hunter or, or were you, I mean, you were always in archery or was it, did you start out rifle like a lot of us do? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I started out with a, um, with a rifle. It was a, actually a liver action 30-30. I think a lot of people's. Ooh, a mar Marlin? Uh, yeah, yes, it was Marlin. a Marlin 30-30, baby. Uh -huh. So it, my dad killed his first deer when he was 15 with that gun. And then um, when I was seven, I killed my first deer with that gun and uh it was uh behind our house um we have a little 20 acre little small farm and um there's like a creek bottom that goes out the back of it and uh, there's some woods in the middle and then we have like a food plot in the bottom and a little dove field up top and uh, we'd go and sit there and and uh you know watch for the deer in the afternoons and uh so you know this was like early 2000s 2001 or two i believe and uh so that we had a ton of deer back then and um, it wasn't nothing to go out out the back door and see ten deer in the evening, you know, on a normal night when the weather wasn't even good. There was just tons of deer, and uh, so we would just go sit in the middle of the field on the ground and in in uh, a bunch of little like saplings, little sweet gum saplings. And one evening he just asked me if I could, you know, wanted to hold the gun on the deer, and uh, you know I did that and um was holding it steady and he's asking me you know can you hold it on there can you keep it <laughs> on her and uh, i was like yeah yeah i i got it i can hold it on there and you know he pulls the hammer back and he's like you still got it you, you still hold it good he's like you got it pulled into your shoulder and i was like yeah i got it and uh he's like well all right squeeze the trigger if you if you think you can do it and i pulled the trigger and she dropped nice and um you know so we went down there and uh put our hands on her and everything you know the um, picked the head up, looked at the deer. About that time, my mom comes down the driveway, and so uh, <laughs> we run up there to get her and get the camera, and uh, come back, and that deer's gone. Oh, you have got to be kidding me! Yep, deer. Your was, first deer. <laughs> yep, it's gone. I mean, gone. we went down there and touched the deer, and, oh, and, my gosh. and it's disappeared. <laughs> and I think my dad 
um, like chased it through the woods a little bit. Um, and I remember <laughs> I had, I'd hit it in the neck and I think I had hit it up closer to the face or to the head. And, uh, I think it just knocked it out and, uh, it just <laughs> fell right there and knocked it out cause it had a big notch in its neck, but it wasn't like a hole and there wasn't blood coming out of it. But we just assumed, you know, that it was a hole. And, uh, so yeah, deer was gone and Whoa. yep. <laughs> and then, uh, that ain't even the crazy part. So then, oh my gosh. so then the next day, um, you know, I got to get, get back out there and redeem myself. And, uh, so go sit in the same little spot, some deer come out up there on the, in the dove field above us. And, uh, you know, I'm doing the same thing. I'm propped on a little like sweet gum sapling and he's asking me, you know, I got it steady and all this stuff and there's four or five deer. So he don't know exactly which one I'm shooting at. Um, he just said, pick a big one. And, uh, you know, so I did the same thing. Pulled the trigger and um, one of the does uh, runs out to the right and makes a loop and runs to the left back in the woods um, from the way they came. And he's like, all right, that one right there, that one's hurt. That's the one you killed right there. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I watch it go in the woods and then look back to where I shot him at. And there's a deer laying there where I shot it. And uh, and I was like, no, daddy, I hit that one right there, the one that's laying down. (laughs) And then he's confused. And so we both get up there. And uh, that deer's dead, of course, the one that's laying there. And we go following into the woods where the other one went, and there was a deer in the woods dead, too. So <laughs> I got lucky, and they were lined up, and it went through one and hit the other one and killed them both. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So Well, that, that's what happened to all the deer. You shot them all. <laughs> I guess. I guess, yeah. But that was pretty cool. I was Like I said, I was seven. That was my first deer. And I was in G-O-N with, with that. Um then and it was it was awesome that's I was crazy <laughs> yeah oh so you got it you and you got into geon on top of that yeah yeah we sent you know the you can send the picture and the story in oh, back awesome. then and you know oh, yeah you that, could uh-huh and they'll post it in the magazine so that's crazy dude that mm-hmm. that is a cool story yeah oh my gosh my first year i mean i don't think anybody forget like forgets their first deer mm-hmm. ever i'll never forget that i was with my dad you know i think that's just you know it's it's the most amazing thing you can do oh yeah dude so obviously we got you here i, I so speaking of dads and then this kind of leads to my next question so i found out about walker through my dad uh you know my dad is thank god like i just got my dad on like an amazon fire stick like he was happy to tell direct tv or dish to go take a hike so <laughs> i put him on fire sticks you know and he's you know, I'm proud of my dad for like embracing the new technology and not being, you know, stubborn, you know, stubborn old guy that can't do it. And, and no offense to anybody that don't want to do that, but still, it's just, I'm glad he did it. But anyway, so he's, you know, he, he can't really, I don't know of too many, there are some apps out there that you can watch hunting shows on, but he mainly goes through YouTube. And so my dad, uh, just by scrolling through YouTube, watching TV, he was like, he came across Walker's videos and he was like, and, and this is like within a, a span of four weeks. Like my dad goes, Hey, or no, three weeks. I think my dad goes, Hey man, you, have you, you got to interview this guy, Walker Scarborough, man, if you can get to him, I mean, he's killed humongous deer. He's already killed one big one this year. You got to have him on. And I'm like, Oh yeah, dad, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, if I can, if he'll come, you know, I doubt it. And then like, bam, dude, like, here we are. Like yep, you're really? like up in my studio, like <laughs> not even three weeks later. So that's the cool thing. But anyway, I, I had to share that. Cause I just think that's just freaking awesome. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, man. So uh, the whole YouTube thing, like, I mean, I kind of, so I, I kind of sort of told your story a little bit, but like, I mean, how did it, I mean, is that how, exactly how it started? You just, people were asking you about your hunts and you were just like, yeah, I better start videoing this. And, um, well, you know, um, 
I've always hunted, um, you know, pretty hard and I really, you know, took it seriously during deer season. I didn't do a whole lot outside of deer season to, to get ready for the upcoming year. And, um, in 2018, I, I, I had to get a new bow. My other one was getting kind of old and, um, I really hit it hard, but it was already during the season. And, um, you know, coming out of that year, um, I wanted to get into it a lot harder. And, uh, so I ran some cameras like through the spring, getting velvet pictures and stuff like that. And then, um, I actually, you know, was missing deer hunting and uh, I have a local shop, um, near me the where I get my bows, uh, shout out to river bottom outdoors and Scott Parrott. Um, he's, he's an awesome bow tech and, um, and he, he puts on little ASA 3d shoots. So I got a, um, target bow from him and, um, you know, was really getting into that and trying to perfect my form and be as good as I could be. And so, um, I got, I, I needed to film myself, you know, shooting and, you know, my technique and how I, you know, how I looked and everything. And, um, so I just kind of got a camera piece by piece that way and started doing that, you know, and then I was watching the YouTube hunting videos and I was like, man, you know, I think I could do this. And I just bought a camera arm and a fluid head and, then I got me a good camcorder and um, controller and, you know, kind of went from there, just started taking it out in the yard and setting it up in a tree and I uh, got pretty good with it, you know, where I could do it all quietly and um, just started taking it to the woods. And then, you know, um, a few months of that, you know, coming back home and not having to explain everything, just being able to show film, you know, that's that's awesome. And, uh, I, I, there ain't no way I could go hunting without a camera now. <laughs> so you're, you're, in, you're, you're like hooked on that now. Oh yeah. That's kind of what I'm afraid to, you know, you, obviously I got this, all this recording gear behind me. So like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty audio savvy, but man, you know, I know the second I get a camera and a controller and if I start doing that, that's what's going to happen to me. And it's going to take me another 30 minutes to get into the dream. <laughs> <laughs> it does take some time. Yeah. So, I mean, so like, um, and I guess we're going to start getting into some of your videos, but before we do that, I mean, did, were you kind of like shocked by the whole, you know, I've got 30 something thousand views. This one's got 50,000 views. <laughs> like, where, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, the first, you know, good deer I killed in 2019, um, the, the biggest deer, um, in Kentucky, he, uh, I put that video out and I, I showed the picture to a bunch of people as soon as I killed him, you know, and everybody's like, when's the video coming out? Did you film it? All this stuff. And I was like, well, I got to give me a little bit of time. I, I can't just put it out tomorrow. Um, so put that video out and it got like 500 views. And I thought that was something right there, you know, and then, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it kind of is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, to me it is. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, so last year, you know, I, when I put that hunt out with tank, um, you know, that, that video footage was pretty awesome and it got a good bit of traction. So, I mean, it's just kind of happened on its own, you know, and then, um, this year, you know, I got a pretty good bit of videos coming into the season and, um, you know, people like to watch that stuff. And then, you know, the rhabdo hunt this year as well. So it's kind of all blowing up here in the last couple months, really. So that's awesome. That's why I was like, dude, I got to get him now before I can't, (laughs) I can't have access to this guy. So, um, I mean, so, I mean, I guess for our listeners, like, I mean, obviously we're all trying to be better at it. I mean, and you've, I mean, in my opinion, dude, in a, in a very short amount of time, I mean, three years, like mm-hmm. you've, your videos, I, I, I mean, they're, they're super clean to me. I mean, they're not, I've seen a lot of videos on YouTube. They're, these guys are killing big deer and they do a, a fairly good job. They just, I, I don't know if it's the patience aspect or that they don't, 
you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to be critical of somebody doing this when I don't do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, like I told the story, I think in an episode before, like I, last year, <laughs> my only self film thing I've ever done, I pulled my phone up, had the phone in one hand, rifle in the other, shot a deer, uh, you know, was which was extremely irresponsible. People do not do that. I was a complete <laughs> idiot. Yes, I, I did take the deer. Yes, I had a confident, I was confident about what the shot I made. So like, don't judge me too hard, but yeah, I shouldn't have done that. So like, <laughs> I did buy at least a cell phone mount, you know, for that, but I don't really want to do that with my phone necessarily uh, mm-hmm. either. I mean, I'm interested too. So like, what would you tell a guy who's like, okay, man, I, I think I'd like to try to sell film and, you know, and, and I'm sure you've learned some lessons too from doing it. So what would you say to a guy's like, man, I want to, I want to get some like Walker Scarborough, like quality. <laughs> and I want to, I want to have these cool angles that you get and all that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, it's kind of, there's two ways to look at it. So like, um, you know, I, I run two different sets of cameras. I run like the POV, you know, like over the shoulder that right. kind of shows me and shows out in front of me a little bit too. Um, that's definitely the easiest way to start filming because, um, you, you know, all you really need is a GoPro and then uh, just get a little camera arm that sticks into the tree and then you can thread the GoPro onto that. And then when the deer comes out, all you need to do is press record and, you know, you're, you're filming it. And so with that, you know, I'm a right-handed bow shooter. So I put the camera on the tree over my left, over my right shoulder, you know, and I set my shots up where I'm going to be shooting, you know, in front of me to you know, like 45 degrees to my left, you know, um, I, I set my stands up so I don't have to stand up to shoot. Um, that's something that I did a lot when I was younger. I'd hunt out of a summit climber and I would face right towards the food plot I was hunting on. And, you know, the deer would come up and I would need to stand up and turn, you know, 120 degrees to be able to shoot. Mm-hmm. And if I had just, you know, turned my stand 90 degrees, <laughs> yeah. I could have just drawn my bow and, you know, would have been a lot more successful. Um, you know, getting away with movement and getting shots off. So, yep, there, there's that aspect, you know, uh, or that um, way of doing it to, to just have one camera over your shoulder. And then if you want to get, like, really good quality, um, like, shot footage and uh, footage of the deer up close, um, you, you really need, you know, the camera arm and the, the, the fluid head to be able to move the camera back and forth slowly. And you need a pretty good camera. Um, and then the controller helps as well, you know, where you don't have to, you know, reach and touch all the buttons on the camera, you know, all that stuff. It is kind of expensive, um, to get into, but, uh, it's really hard to do without it. It's really hard to, to get good quality footage without it. That's awesome. I mean, I, I would think too, it, it gives you like an advantage, especially like once you make the shot. I mean, I just oh, always, yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, honestly, if I had that, that equipment, I'd the first thing I'd be like, okay, copper's going, you know? Mm-hmm. So I know that's helpful in tracking and all kind of stuff. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's changed the game, you know, and that's what a lot of my videos are, you know, I'm showing like, you know, the one deer where the, the one video where the deer jumps the string. Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, that other one where that, uh, that late season doe hunt where the blood trail was just crazy. You know, it it hit her really low, and like uh, sliced her open. Didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a different hunt. Yeah, it sliced that deer open. Um, you know, and like the gutting job got started immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, it's been a big um, learning tool for me. You know, and I I want to make other people you know better hunters too. So that's why I put that out there. And you know, I do get some criticism for it. You know, if you don't make the most perfect shot, 
you know, people are going to say stuff oh, about it. Gosh. So, but I mean, it's whatever. I mean, you know? are you putting a rhabdo or a tank down? I mean, shut <laughs> up. You know, they're just jealous, dude, that they can't kill big deer like that. Um, man. So, I mean, speaking of big deer, like, I mean, do you think, I know as hunters, like we kind of get this whole, I, I mean, we get wrapped up in one. I was telling you about my, my deer cane from a few years ago. Um, I just, I got so wrapped up into him. Like, I mean, the, the whole season, uh, last year, that's all I thought about. That's the only thing I cared about. Like I, I mean, it got all. I mean, pretty much during the rut, I had realized that oh, Mike, you haven't shot a doe yet. Like, <laughs> like you need to. You, my wife reminded me, you're not going back out to the woods unless you shoot something for meat. So unless you see Kane in the first hour, yeah. <laughs> you're shooting a doe. I was like, yes, ma'am. You know, so I can't, can't argue with that. But, um, but yeah. So I mean, do you think? I mean, do you feel like that's kind of a, a pitfall we get into as hunters, or do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, it can be, I, I think, you know, it's just like the natural progression though. You know, you start out hunting, um, and you know, you just want to shoot a doe with a rifle, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you get to where you can shoot, you know, a good buck every year with a rifle and then you want to try out the bow and, you know, you shoot does with the bow cause you know, the, you get the bow in the hand. That's a whole lot harder. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just kind of work your way up and then next thing you know, you know, you're chasing trying to chase the biggest deer on your property um or, you know in your area and um you know i think that's just part of it but you know i mean don't don't run yourself in the ground trying to shoot the biggest deer because you know i mean I, i've killed a you know a few pretty good deer over the last few years but there's just as many that have gotten away that i've you know been after and mm-hmm. you know if they're just if they're not on your property in daylight, there's nothing you can do, you know? I right. Mean, yeah. If, if they're not there, then you can't make it happen. You know? Right. That's, um, I think that's, you know, that's always, you know, you, you get these big giants on the cam at night. I mean, and I mean, I've got maybe one that's come up in daylight or two. I think this year there's only one or two so far, but yeah, the rest of them, you know, they're all in there at night now. I mean, again, the rut's about to kick. I mean, we are on the heels of the we we are pretty much almost at the end of the pre-rut where I'm at, and like it's mm-hmm. about to be on. So mm-hmm. Walker's going to go hunt with me this afternoon, by the way, everybody. So he's going to hopefully get to see some. Hopefully, there's he'll see some of the stuff we've seen. Some you know, small spikes pushing some does, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess you know, uh, since we're kind of on the subject, uh, let's. Uh, I-, I want you to tell me. Um, well, I, if, I don't know who I want to, which deer do I want to talk to you about first? Cause like they're, they're both amazing, but all right, I'm, I'm selfish. So I'm going to talk about the hunt. I want to know, like my favorite out of all your videos is tank because number one, you were after this deer for a while. Like that was, mm-hmm. wasn't he like, I mean, no, was it blades or blades or, is the one I was after blades for years. Years. blades was after for years. Yeah. Tank tank showed up. Um, in the same area that uh, that Blades had spent all spring and summer. Um, so I, I had chased Blades since um, he was a two-and-a-half-year-old. Um, like I said, 2018, back then, you know, I was, a, a, you know, anything that's legal in Troop County, which is four on one side, we're QDMA up there. Um, so four on one side, you know, with a bow for me, I, I was, you know, after that. Right. And um, so he showed up in 2018, and I chased him. 2018, 2019, and 2020, and I never caught up to him. And then, um, so Tank came in um, on Halloween last year, and um, I have a pretty um, big scrape off of one of my food plots that, that um, you know, 
a lot of the big deer come through. It's not like a satellite scrape. It's more of, you know, one of the ones they use regularly. Right. And um, so he came in and just, I mean, demolished this oak limb over the yes. scrape. Yes, he did. <laughs> for, you know, I think I only put one or two of the video or clips of it, you know, the trail cam video, but he sat there for like 20 minutes. and That was destroyed. a 20-minute lapse? Yep. I, mean, he, I would have driven me nuts. Yeah, like, he, he sat there. Or no, not in the stand, but uh, oh, okay. the trail cam video. Oh, the trail cam not, video. Okay, not, not in yeah. the video. I was like, I was like, dude, <laughs> no, no, that no. would have driven me absolutely bonkers. <clears throat> no, so he, uh, yeah, he he just thrashed that tree, and you know that's where I was getting um, blades was coming through there, and so he spent like thirty minutes there or twenty minutes there, however long, working that scrape, and then he eased off. Blades comes through a few hours later, walks up about 10 feet from the scrape and like he don't it's almost like he don't know what to do um like he smelled that other big buck there and it, it's almost like it you know it scared him so a little bit almost spooked him off it seemed like it did like you know he might have tank might have been the more dominant deer um and uh so yep and then um so that was a few days later you know i was still hunting blades tank was a big deer but i think blades you know was a higher scoring deer and obviously all the history he he was number one um and uh november 5th i cut i go and get in the stand um the same stand where i shot tank hunting over that scrape little transition area in the in uh, like some more open uh bigger pines and um i got some logging roads coming through there that um it, they're pretty much just going from one oak bottom going up over that little saddle around into another oak bottom and instead of just cutting it off and going up and down a steep hill they come where it's flatter, I guess, mm-hmm. is the only reason I can figure that that they do that. And uh, so anyway, I'm sitting in the stand, and I had trimmed shooting lanes uh, to shoot that road to the left of me and in front of me and over there towards the scrape. And I guess I had opened up the shooting lane too much, and he started using the shooting lane as a trail. Mm. And he comes around that oak limb, yep. turns right, which is facing me at 40 yards, and walks to the base of my tree. And I drew back about halfway to me, and I I couldn't cut any cameras on at all. Uh, that's the only deer that I haven't filmed anything of, the only hunt that I haven't filmed anything of. And um, so wait, you you did take down blades? I'm getting there. Oh God! <laughs> and uh, so I drew back on him, and um, at like 20 yards, and he's you know walking through the trees, and he's in that that you know like cruising looking for does mindset so he's like not paying attention to not stopping you know he's just steady walking it took 10 seconds for this to happen he walks to the base of the tree right out in front of me at five yards and i'm drawn down aimed at him and i squeeze it off right behind his shoulder and i had put my cam i didn't hit the stand with the cam but i had put it so close that when i pulled the trigger and the limbs uh, opened back up it hit the stand and it kicked the bottom of the bow back towards me, and I shot like a foot and a half under him. Oh no! Yep. And so he whirled, and um, he whirled and hung his rack on a big sapling, and just just bent it over. I mean, a sapling like big around as you know, almost big as a so baseball. You, all, you, d- you didn't even have time you to like re-knock or anything. Oh no! And he he uh, piled over that thing, and he, he was gone. And um. <sighs> Man, I was so sick, and I, I couldn't even figure out what happened for, um, you know, a few minutes there because um, I shot right underneath his stomach, and then he whirled and hit the arrow and broke the arrow, so I couldn't figure out if I hit him in the stomach yeah, 
or what and he had wiped his stomach all or wiped you know his belly all over the era so it had like muddy water on it and i was like is this gut you know yeah it really threw me off for a, a minute there and you know a couple of days later i got pictures of him and um and uh you know he kept doing his thing it didn't really phase him you know he never even knew i was there he just heard a, a whack and he just he freaked out and he's just like mm-hmm. oh god i've gotten myself into some mess now yeah yeah oh, so, gosh so have you have you seen him since then um so um he was there for about two more weeks uh november 17th was the last video last picture i have of him um so on that land they they really start i i guess i don't know if they're just rutting hard cruising um about the 13th through the 17th but they are just wide open and he he went from showing up on like one or two cameras to showing up on like six of them on that property just every one of them he's just making rounds wow and um, you know, Tank was doing the same thing, and then so whatever November seventeenth that morning about eight o'clock is the last picture I have of him. So, oh, man. I don't know what happened to him. I, I never heard of a neighbor shooting him. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, him and Tank were in the same area, and Tank was actually a big nine point. And um, about the eighteenth or twentieth, somewhere in there, Tank broke off one of his G threes. Yeah, I remember seeing and that. And then and then blades disappeared right about the same time. So I don't know if they could have fought and hurt him. You, you know, I don't I don't know. But I would have thought. I mean, I'm, you know, Facebook friends and stuff with my neighbors. And if somebody would have killed him, I would have. I should have seen it. Yeah, they. Um, you know, our episode one when we talked with Ryan Weaver. I mean, we he was telling us a little bit about. Uh, you know, some the, the biggest rack is not the biggest, not exactly the biggest man on the block. It's right. really about how big of a BA they are, you know. And it sounds to me like Tank Tank yep. was probably and that makes sense too. It's like at, with the whole video you had of the scrape, you know, mm-hmm. he like he didn't know what to do. He's like, oh gosh, Tank's here, you know, I gotta yep. get out of here. Yep, yep. So, but uh, so my favorite, I think my favorite thing about your the actual video of Tank and watching him come in he got pretty much right up under you too. Mm-hmm. And then the blood trail was, I mean, I remember going, good God. I mean, like the first time I saw, I was like, that's a blood trail. Like, I mean, like if I had seen that, I would have freaked out too. I mean, I would have probably jumped out of the stand. I've been so happy just knowing mm-hmm. that there's that like water hose blood coming out. And it's like, yeah, you're like, I mean, I think you even said like, I think I hit him in the heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, so, I mean, obviously that wasn't, you know, I, I would I wouldn't take that sort of shot, um, you know, at any kind of distance. But I mean, it was eight yards, you know, um, and uh, you know, I didn't know where he was going to go. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to shoot him at the scrape, and then he turns around, and I thought he's going to go down this road at like thirty-five, and then he turns back the other way, and I think he's going like thirty, and then he just kind of meanders right up to me, and um, so that it, was wild because he started ripping down the push too, and I was just like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, God, that's nerve wracking. And then I was like, Oh my God, he's coming right to him. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, is he going to, is he going to get broadside? And finally he, when he quartered, I was like, Oh dude, I hope he makes it. Bam. I was like, yes, fantastic. <laughs> it was such a good shot. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Like, and, um, I mean, to me, I, you know, talk about like, you kind of mentioned the terrain, but you know, the logging roads to me, I mean, even in, even like, we're going to get to Rabdo in a minute for those of you who are curious, but like, See, like a lot of your places, like I think a lot of times we get pushed on the whole, you're not going to find a mature buck in any kind of open anything. You're not going to find a mature. It's going to be in the thick. It's going to be down in a swamp. It's going to be in the biggest, thickest stuff you can find. And that's where the big ones are, which I mean, there are, there is some truth to that. I mean, but then I think that's all deer, but I mean, 
I noticed your terrain, I mean, they seem to move all right in some pretty open logging road type roads that are fairly mm-hmm. clear. Like, yeah. How do you get them to do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's a little bit different here in Georgia, like out in the, in the Midwest where there's, there's so much open terrain, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they kind of are pushed into the deep swamps. And I think, you know, um, you know, I mean, all the shows on TV, you know, Midwest whitetail and, you know, the hunting public and, you know, um, all, all those out there in the Midwest area that they are pushed there just because there's so much more, there's a lot of hunting pressure here, but there's a lot there, a whole lot there. And there's a whole lot less, um, woods out there and they're kind of, you know, bottlenecked down, forced down into smaller areas. And I think the big deer do have to go there to be safe, but you know, around here in Georgia, you know, it's, it's pretty wooded, you know, unless you're like down South Georgia where there's real big, you know, ag fields and stuff. Um, so, so, I mean, you know, I've hunted a few swamps and, and have a few swamps, uh, especially there's one by, right behind my house. And, you know, I really don't have that many big deer come up out of there. And I mean, it's, it's miserable. Like you can't hardly walk through it, you know, yeah. stuff's hitting you in the face. And I don't really think the, the big deer or the deer at all, like, you know, walking through that as well, if they don't have to. Right. And, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and then, um, it's just, a you know, so much easier, um, for them to, to move through the, as long as they feel, you know, pretty safe, you know, and then as well, there's, you know, a lot, it's a lot more populated here. And mm-hmm. so they're used to smelling people and used to being around houses and stuff and they can live real close to houses and they don't have to go, you know, way off the way out, way out in the remote to, to feel safe. Yeah. I, I think I, that's been, I feel like that's been my experience too. I've seen, I mean, my dad's got a great little spot and I'm going to show you this afternoon. It's down in, 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 a, in a Creek bottom, but it's not, I mean, it's not super swampy, but I mean, when, if you go further back, I mean, and I had a buddy of mine, I said, why don't y'all get down there in that thick, get into the thick and just get in there and, you know, get in there amongst the snakes and the deck gum, you know, the ticks. And I'm like, dude, no, I mean, yeah. why? Yeah. And <laughs> I don't I'm, even think the deer like it, you know? Yeah. Like, and you know, there's, there's, everything's kind of situational too. I think there's some areas where, you know, here in Georgia in the South where, you know, the swamps probably are the best places and there's big bucks there. Oh, for sure. But you know, um, the stuff that I've hunted and the different properties I've been around it, you know, the, the really, really nasty stuff. They don't, I'm not finding the biggest deer there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm finding it on what, you know, what you mainly, what I've been reading and hearing is, which is mm-hmm. your transition, yeah. your points, your, your, your hardwood meets your pines or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, and even where, you know, the thick, nasty swamp is the only reason he's there is to bed, you know, yeah. there's, there's not much to eat there. No, exactly. And, exactly. You know, and, um, you know, I mean, around here, there's a ton of food. I mean, there's you have acorn trees, persimmons, uh, mm-hmm. muscadines, you know, the little crabapple trees. Yeah. I mean, there's browse and briars. And I mean, they have a ton of food here. It's not quite as, um, you know, brutal of uh, an environment as it can be out in the Midwest, you know, in the yeah. winter months and stuff. I mean, they have a lot to eat around here. Right. I mean, people don't get me wrong. Yes, I do realize there are big, we do realize there are giant deer that do live in swamps and they Mm -hmm. do move. Yeah. They do move along creeks, you know, swampy stuff. But I mean, like Walker's just saying, like, I've never necessarily known them to, unless they're, but now I will see them bed into some tall, like grass that's near a swamp. I will see them do that. But Mm -hmm. that's, 
pretty much it. And then the, if they're going to hang back somewhere thick, it'll it'll be closer to something that's fairly open, not far from it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be. I mean, they'll feel protected. I feel oh, like, yeah. but yeah. So all right, so we got to talk. We got to talk, Rabdo. Like that's. I think that's you know. I mean, it's your newest video, but it's like I'm in the your newest buck. But uh, dudes, he brought freaking Rabdo's horns. I'm about to put my hands on him. I can't wait. So, um, but anyway, so um, so tell me this story about Rabdo. Like, I mean, you kind of explained it on the on the video, but I mean, I mean, you had a lot of you had a fair amount of history with him. I mean, since what for maybe like two years? Um, yeah. So I definitely knew him last year. Um, possibly the year year prior um i had a deer that looked real similar to him you know a little like um small eight pointer two in 2019 that um i would see i saw a handful of times um in that same food plot right there during the rut and uh, then last year you know um once they get to about two and a half or three and a half right in there and they start developing like a pretty good eight point rack that's kind of when i start keeping up with them because they change so much when they're young you know i mean even a you know, I mean, spikes turn into big deer when they're three and three years old, you know, yes. I mean, they got to start somewhere. Um, so last year is when I first started keeping up with a deer that, you know, looked pretty good. He had a, you know, the same type of rack that went out and went up and those racks are already impressive to start with. And, you know, the ones that go out and up real yes. high. Yes. And, uh, so I didn't saw him in the summer, not a whole lot during the hunting season. You know, I chased blades most of the year and then Tank showed up and, uh, you know, got on him and then I uh, started seeing that, that little eight pointer again, uh, late season, he's just coming in, hitting some food plots, um, around January. And, you know, I, I saw that the year went out and he was still around, you know, then around January they dropped their antlers and, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to keep up with them after that. And then, um, in April, um, you know, that's when they start growing their horns again. And, um, I keep my cameras out year round just cause I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's addicting. I, <laughs> I was telling you about my Tacticam reveal X's. Oh my gosh. I got two of those this year and I'm, I'm hooked. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to keep them out year round cause I don't want them to get weathered, but gosh, there's so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And so, um, you know, you can kind of tell as soon as, you know, their horns get about an inch, their nubs get about an inch or so out of their head if they're going to be, you know, if it's a good deer or not. really. And um, so, yeah, so I got, you know, a few pictures of smaller deer, and then I got this one deer that, you know, looked like he had baseballs coming out of his head. Oh, my gosh. So so, you knew that was going to be it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And so, you know, I saw him, and then he had this big, like, bald spot right behind his uh, right shoulder, you know, just like perfect 12 ring shot too, by the way. <laughs> and I was like, man, if he, he holds on to that till deer season. And, um, so, uh, you know, I was able to keep up with him because of that. And, uh, so then, you know, he grows his rack on out and, you know, every week or 10 days I'm getting a picture of him and he's just getting bigger and bigger blowing up. And, um, you know, once he gets about to mid June, I'm like, you know, this is my deer right here. And, uh, you know, that was when I named him Rabdo. You know, I started seeing him uh, in April, and that was when uh, Rachel was in the in the hospital with rhabdomyolysis. So, you know, it was just fitting to give him that name. Nice. And um, so, yeah, then, you know, he started throwing junk out of his bases and some uh, character points and stuff. And, you know, he just, uh, you know, <laughs> just giving me the best pictures ever, just driving me crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so, you know, that's when you start putting the pieces together and figuring out, you know, which food plots, which areas he's showing up on, which bottoms he's using, and uh, just kind of go from there. And, um, you know, followed him on into into um, 
August and September. And, um, you know, I was still seeing him like every week or 10 days. It wasn't super consistent. And then, um, you know, right there when um, season came in that weekend, um, September like 10th or 11th that weekend, we got – I don't remember if it, I don't think it was really a cold front. We just had like a drop in humidity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a change for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And he started showing up like crazy. Like he showed up twice at like 11 in the morning and like two in the afternoon. And I was like, and, uh, you know, he started to like get rid of his velvet. And usually, yeah, that, he was hard horn, which I was kind of confused about. I was like, that's kind of <clears throat> fairly early in the both season. I mean, uh, yeah. It, it was so so. He, he was, um, a little bit early, but um, yeah. Usually, when they shed their velvet, though, they go kind of nocturnal and they they yeah. kind of leave that. But he did the opposite. He got a whole lot more daylight active, and you know, I don't know if just because he had always been, you know, not the top deer, and then this year he was like top dog, and he mm-hmm. he you know just was uh kind of like strutting around that because you know he would come in with the does and the younger bucks, and you know he'd have his head up and pushing them around. Um, like he owned the place and, you know, I'm real careful throughout the summer about, you know, about August, I, I quit driving a four wheeler or anything in there and I'm just right. walking, you know, I'll go check the cameras and I'll throw out some corn or, um, you know, a little bit of feed or something just so that, you know, they kind of associate maybe if they smell anything from me, they associate it with, you know, food being there or something. Yeah. That's, that's, that's usually my, that's my theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's worked for me. And so, um, uh, you know, he got a whole lot more consistent, you know, we got a bunch of rains early and we planted our food plots, um, August 31st or August 30th with one of those, um, big rain showers that come through and mm-hmm. that back plot, you know, sprouted up in four or five days and it was green, you know, they had something to eat there. And, um, you know, that can bite you sometimes with army worms and whatnot, but, right, you know, it, it's worth it to put it out there and have it those first couple of weeks, even if it gets knocked back and you might have to redo it again. Um, you know, it's worth it if you get to kill a big deer on it. And um, so, yeah, he started showing up a lot in daylight and I was like, okay, well, you know, I might get be able to get on him here first week of season. And then, um, you know, I, I had my brown and cell cams on there and, um, I started getting pictures of him like in the daylight when it wasn't a good day anymore. Like when it was like 90 degrees, he was out there and I was like, okay, well I'm not going to wait for a good day anymore. I'm just going to go whenever. So the, the second weekend of season, I went out there, um, in that back plot, um, where I had been getting him most of the, most of the time. And, um, you know, at five 30 or whatever, I got a picture on my phone and he's at the middle plots, what we called it with the salt lick. And, um, you know, showed up out there just pretty as he could, he could please yes. two hours before dark. And I was like, dang man. But you know, I was confident because I had come right by, I had driven right by that food plot. And, um, so this year I started riding a bike and, uh, so I have a bicycle that I ride in and out of instead. Right. Of, it's one of those, uh, those like super duper t- uh, trooper bikes, or is it just like a straight up mountain bike? Yeah, it's a straight up mountain bike. Dude, that's my, you see, that is my plan. Okay. Before, <laughs> I, I, and this is a great story. I don't mean to, but see, my thing was, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go to the pawn shop, find me a decent mountain bike for like 50 mm-hmm. bucks and spray paint that jugger some tack black and just put some off-road tires on that jug and go. Mm-hmm. But you know, my buddy, anyway, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the, the, Money saving tits were throwing at you out here on the podcast. So. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I I used to always like I would never drive in there with a fool or anything, but I would walk in yeah, there, you know. Here. And um, I, I think you I think you lay a whole lot more scent down walking than you would just riding a bike. You know, obviously you're 
um, breathing a lot more. You know, yeah. you're moving slower, and um, you know it wears you out a little bit. Now, now this this property I'm talking about, the ride in is pretty level. Um, if I was going up and down a mountain, I don't know if I would be doing if no. I'd be riding the bike, but it's it's fairly level, so it makes it really easy to get in. And instead of it taking me 20 minutes, it takes me five minutes yeah. to ride in. So you know, I felt good about that. Um, the next day was a, a rain shower came through. It was Monday, the 20, um, 20th, I guess. He showed up at like 1030 in the morning. He's in the plot and it's like rain showers just rolled through or whatever. And I was like, man, you know, I guess I got to go in there this afternoon. It looks like it's going to rain, but, you know, yeah. I need to be there. So I go in there and just absolutely get drenched. I mean, just got monsooned on everything, got wet and um it actually messed up my camera, so I had oh, to no. let, I had to let my my ca- big camera dry out, and uh, I thought it ruined it, and um, messed with it, and got it back working the day before that I uh, I went in for the third hunt, and uh, so that was Sunday. He come out in the middle plot. Monday he came out in the morning and didn't show up when I when I hunted that evening. Tuesday I went to my sister's uh, softball game. And um, he was out out there at five fifty in the food block. Oh plot. gosh, that is one of those times where, like, you know, I'm all about family. I mean, <laughs> you met the family down there. Like, I mean, you know, you know, like, there's yeah. multiple times, especially with these cell phone cameras now. Like before, you know, you could maybe you wouldn't realize that that the deer was there at a certain time. But my gosh, dude, now that I know when deer or where they're supposed to be, and I and especially if I'm like at a kid event or something, and mm-hmm. doop, you know, I get I'm like, oh gosh, yeah. You know, that. but anyway, family comes first, people. But anyway, so. So then, you know, the, the 22nd, um, I think we had a hurricane roll through and there was going to be a little bit of rain finishing off that Wednesday, the 22nd. And then um, it was supposed to clear up about lunchtime and get really windy and the temperature was going to drop. So I had been planning, um, you know, a week prior. I knew that was coming, um, you know, it, that drop in temperature. Um, but with him coming so much in daylight, I just hunted the Sunday and Monday anyway. So, you know, woke up that Wednesday morning and I was like, it's today the day, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was, had, had that feeling, you know, and, um, you know, went to work the weather did what it was supposed to got off, you know, got home, got in the stand. And, um, I mean, the wind was ripping Oh man! and, uh, it was, it was supposed to be like pretty North, uh, Northwest a little bit which um, was coming like right across me, like from, you know, uh, off to my left to like over my right shoulder, which would have been pretty, which was, that would have been perfect. Yeah. And um, got in the stand. And of course it's not doing what it's supposed to typical Georgia wind. And uh, it's coming a whole, it has a whole lot more West in it. Um, and it's kind of coming across me from my left to right. And, you know, a few times he had come from um the east side of the food plot so i was like man if he's if he's bedded over in there today you know i might mess it up here yeah and um so i was really sweating the wind Mm -hmm. and um you know and and then i was checking the wind a lot and that's one thing about hunting around here the wind is hardly ever consistent we don't have we don't have a prevailing or a main wind it's like yeah it might it'll probably blow out of that direction at some point but at some point yeah so yeah so i had a pretty good wind like out of the north northwest when it when it was blowing consistently like eight ten miles an hour but then we would get like 20 mile an hour gusts and those were coming almost out of the west like blowing almost out in front of me again and um and then you know, every five or 10 minutes, the wind would stop for a second. And when it would do that, it was like the wind was like backdrafting out into the food plot in front of me. And then when the wind would start, it would 
push yeah. in that direction again. So it was all over the place and it was making, making me nervous. And uh, so I had a, a doe come out pretty early and then I had a little um, six point that was still in velvet come out um, and he fed around and I was worried because neither one of those even came on the edge of the food plot where I could have gotten a shot. And um, then right there before dark, about 30 minutes, I had two does come out of my right side um, and they went through the woods and um, they were kind of spooky for some reason. And then, um, you know, I heard something to my left over here and it was the craziest sound. I still don't know what the deal was with it to this day, but I heard like a big like like something jumped into leaves mm-hmm. and then I heard like um two like cracking noises almost like something hit like the bark on a tree and mm-hmm. then it was like a thud like something like stomped into like <laughs> just dirt dumped in there <laughs> yeah it was like and then it was like crack crack and like big thud and um I was like man what the heck was that it sounded like it sounded like something jumped out of a tree like a fox or I don't oh, know God. what it could have been I don't know I can't describe it Sasquatch and Man, not two minutes later, I'm sitting there watching those does, and I look down this lane to my left, and he's standing there, Rabdo's standing uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking down the trail, and um, he's looking at me, but he's looking you know, down on the ground, not up in the tree, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, so you're like, oh, go. <laughs> and uh, so um, I was cutting my GoPro on and off, so I cut it on, put it in my pocket, and uh, he eases out into the food plot, and he's only like, or towards the food plot, and he's only like 10 yards from it. And, um, you know, I'm thinking coming out right here at 22 yards, like this is it, you know, and uh, wait for like four minutes and nothing. And, um, you know, so I start getting worried and I start checking back there in the back where the does are. Yeah, he turned back up into the woods, didn't he? Yep. So he went back up in the woods. Oh, God, no, it's over. Yep. Paralleled (laughs) the woods and and went in or went into the food plot out there. And, um, you know, about time he's coming out is when I get on him with the camera. And, um, you know, he walks out there and puts his head in a hole. And so I'm watching the monitor on the camera because, you know, it, it can see like my binoculars. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I'm watching that and I see his head in the hole and he turns and throws his nose up and I'm like, that's it. You know, yeah, game. He, he just got Check. a he just got a whiff of something. And, uh, you know, he doesn't freak out. Um, he keeps feeding or whatever and just walks in the woods on the other side. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, man, there's no way. And uh, yeah. So the does feed forward a little bit, and then I hear a couple things over there on the on the right side, and the does start looking in the woods, and I'm like, well, maybe, you know, he's in there going to loop around, and about that time, I look down, and he's out. You yeah. Know, he's out there, and uh, so I pull back with the camera and, um, you know, tried to let him, uh, you know, get perfectly broadside, and he had his leg, his front leg back, and I was letting him take a step, and he took two steps, so it was back again. And, uh, so I just trying to put it on the bottom of his shoulder. You know, I was, I was getting kind of close on camera light or, or shooting light. You know, I only had about 10 minutes left and, uh, you know, he was right in a hole and was getting on the edge of that. So I needed to go ahead and take it. And, yeah, you know, I should have, I should have either held a little bit lower or gotten him to raise his head up because, um, you know, these deer in Georgia, they're pretty, you know they get hunted, so they're pretty on edge. Yeah, and then um, you know when they even ha- early on, mm-hmm. and when they have their head down, you know they can pivot their front shoulders of their body down a lot quicker, a lot faster, and um, you know so that's what he did. And he he tried to get out of the way. You know he didn't know what he was getting out of the way of, but he almost got out of the way. And um, <laughs> you know it was a it was a good shot still a double long, 
And, um, you know, then he runs off in the woods, you know, and I just, I come apart at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, I would too, man. Like, so, I mean, my thing was about that shot, it was the sound, like the, I mean, it right. was a, it, this mm-hmm. wasn't people, you go watch The Hunt for Rabdo. I mean, it, you'll, when you see the kill shot, I mean, it is an absolute slap pop. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it was loud, like, Mm-hmm. no mistaking like you know i've i mean when you shoot a when you shoot a deer i mean you can you can hear a thud or something but if you but if you if you put a screamer right behind like what kind of broadhead was that um so that was uh that was the muzzy hybrid it's like a it's got like a one inch fixed blade and then a one and five eighths inch uh expandable gotcha and um yeah so I've heard that noise a few times, not every time, but I want to say Tank had a pop as well or slow. I mean, you're so freaking close. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty loud. Um, but when you hit double lung, it's you can hear the air almost come out. Like it sounds like it pops a balloon. Yeah, you and, said something about it, so you could hear the air pop out. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't even see the shot. If you look, the the knock didn't go off right away. It didn't go off good till it hit the deer. That's right. You can't really follow the arrow. So as soon as it hits, it lights up. But so I couldn't really tell where I hit. But I knew that pop sounded really good, and was I was pretty confident. Yeah. Um. After that. But yeah. So, um, that's something that I've switched up a little bit this year is my broadheads. Um. I don't know about about you guys. I'm not a I'm not a super heavy arrow guy. Are y'all? Uh, Kelby's the more heavy arrow. He's going next year. I'm making the switch. I don't do it. But yeah, yeah, Kelby's a heavy arrow guy. I'm I'm more. I mean, how heavy are y'all talking? I think how much is Kelby at? He's at five. He's pretty heavy. I can't exactly really remember. Heavy. You know, he's shooting because like I mean, he was shooting hogs with like. Mm-hmm. He said, like, "You can't go out there with a 425 and shoot a hog." You know, he's like, "You're one of freaking. You need to be. It's got to be. I, I may be mm-hmm. saying it wrong, but got to remember I'm new at archery, so I'm trying to re- remember exactly what I'm doing. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's a. He's a heavy arrow because I mean, he's he's you know he's spearing hogs all the time with arrows. Right, right. So, I mean, he's a. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm switching to it. We're we're switching down to a heavier arrow next year. But yeah, so I mean, how, how heavy is yours? Um, so I'm at 480. You're at 480. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm not, you know, extremely heavy, but it's it's still a pretty good era, mm-hmm. um, you know. And obviously, all I do is whitetail hunt. You know, if I was shooting hogs, I might go a little heavier with yeah. a fixed blade. But um, for me, you know, I, I tried a little bit of the fixed blade, and you know, getting the Magnus, yeah. you know, the Magnus broadheads, and you know, doing the sharpening and that kind of stuff. And um, more than anything, I had just a hard time getting them to hit well, you know. And I, I'm I'm a pretty good you know, I mean, I can do a lot of my own bow mechanic stuff. I have a press and, you know, um, I, I can paper tune and stuff like that. But I, I, I still had a hard time getting them to fly really true. Yeah. And then on top of that, um, to me, you know, they're pretty loud. It's definitely significant. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of turned off by that. And so I've always been a rage guy. Um, I mean, every deer up until last year that I killed was, was with a rage, you know. Right. And, um, you know, just some awesome blood trails, big holes, stuff like that. But, you know, if you get around that shoulder, you catch one of those bones, you know, um, you, you, you're going to get it stopped. Um, so, but, you know, in my opinion, the, the fixed blade broadheads, you know, as long as you don't hit the bone with the point, you're kind of deflecting off one side or the other, cause they're generally pretty, pretty laid back on the angle. 
So in like a rage, you know, it's pretty, you know, uh, perpendicular to the to the bone. So like if you catch one of those blades on it, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna stop it a lot more. You know, in a rage, um, you know, it has the ears that stick out. The blades slide back, so they're locked. You know, they can't move. And um, so that's with the muzzy hybrid. They have two ears that stick out, but they're not fixed. You know, the the pivot point is up there at the beginning. So if you hit something on one of the blades, you know, you hit a bone on one of the blades, it can just bend out of the way. Yeah, exactly. And then when it gets around the bone, you know, the ear's still catching right there, and it, it lays back open. So... I've switched to the Muzzy Hybrid. That's kind of what showed me to it. And then the Sever Broadheads, I don't know if you've heard of those, but Severed has the same the same design whether where it pivots at the front. Mm-hmm. And so if you catch a bone on that on that blade, you know it's going to pivot out of the way and then it opens back up. And like um last year I shot that deer in Kentucky. I mean, that was a giant body deer. Yeah, it was. And I shot straight down through him and you know it poked out the bottom side of him over here, you know, after Clipping uh, his shoulder blade on this Good side, Lord. actually, you know. So, golly, and you know, I wouldn't recommend that for everybody. Like, you know, obviously, um, my girlfriend last year, you know, she was shooting a four blade muzzy, mm-hmm. you know, but she's at like thirty eight pounds, forty pounds, something like that. Yeah. you know, really short draw length. And, yeah, you know, I, I would, you know, preach that to a smaller person, but you know, for me, I'm shooting seventy pounds and I have pretty long draw length. So, yeah. I like the big cut. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Mike. I wanted to take a quick minute and take a break from the show and tell you about one of our partners, Fatboy Blinds out of Reynolds, Georgia. Fatboy Blinds offers tower stands, ground blinds, deer feeders, all kinds of different types of customizable window configurations for the blinds, tinting, ceiling, you name it. I'm telling you, these guys are going to do it for you. One of the best things I think about this company is they offer a actual staircase that goes up to their tower stands. I know for me, I have two small kids. Uh, I've got a dad that's not as mobile as he used to be. So this is a great option for my family. Guys, we spend a lot of time doing projects like a tower stand or a blind or a feeder when we should really be looking for scrapes, rubs, travel, corridors, all the things that really do matter. A company like Fatboy Blinds is going to save you tons of time. To be honest, time is money. So why tie it up in something like a long building project that's going to take you weekends, hours and hours of time? Even for those of you guys who are pretty handy, it's still a lot of time and effort. Also, one of the best things about Fatboy Blinds is if you're in the Georgia area, they will come to your property with your brand new blind standard feeder and drop it off exactly where you want it with their forklift i mean (laughs) how awesome is that that's just one less thing you have to worry about having to do again time saved so guys reach out to fat boy blinds in reynolds georgia at 478-973-5315 that's 478-973-5315 ask to speak to walker he's going to get you set up Uh, they're also on facebook and instagram so reach out to him on any of their social media or just contact them by phone guys get yourself a fat boy just by i mean circumstance i ended up shooting uh the ramcat uh three blades those mm-hmm. things are you know devastating i mean mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. gave cash and we've got pictures of hogs with like holes like that in them right so but uh i mean i, I guess like i mean all of the deer that you've shot i mean and you've killed i mean like you talked about we'll probably talk about your kentucky deer too but um i mean you've you killed so many huge deer man and like i think you know it, it 
that's like we talked about earlier. It's just kind of like one of the, it's the next thing in the progression, but I feel like it's a, it's not something you can just start doing, you know? I mean, I mean, well, I don't know. Well, let's see what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I feel like, you know, hunting a mature deer, it's, it's definitely, it, it requires the dedication. It, I mean, and how you've just been super consistent with this. And I mean, and I, and you don't hunt a high fence, so, <laughs> so as far as I know, but you know, I, I mean, so you got to be consistent. I mean, do you? What do you think that is the key to that? I mean, um, like I said, you know, what I really started doing the last three years was just scouting, doing so much of my homework outside of the season, and finding the deer outside of the season, and then you know, in years past, I would you know really start taking deer hunting seriously once. September got here Mm -hmm. and then I would be running around my land all the time trying to figure out stuff you know running the deer off probably yeah instead of you know already knowing everything when deer season comes in know who I'm looking for and just wait for the right days and you know having the camera set on you know whether it's the scrapes or the transitions you know and I mean every year you know I for the most part hunt the same few pieces of property and, you know, I, I set stands in different locations every year. I figure out, you know, different travel patterns and stuff that they use. And, you know, I mean, I'm still learning, even though, you know, some of the places I've been hunting for 12 years or so. Or so. so, you know, just knowing that information um, from years past, which I guess is kind of hard to do if you're, um, you know, new to a property or, or, you know, just getting going to public or something like that right. that you're not super familiar with. but. For me, uh, the land that I hunt is usually it, it's land that I've been on. So, I mean, what is your like? What's the strategy? I guess I mean, well, you're talking about doing the homework. I mean, I mean, for I know my personally what I do. I mean, you know, I just started running cell cams this year, so I mean, I'm still new to that. But mm-hmm. uh, but prior, what I would do probably around you know the spring, I'll I'll go out and well, man, not quite the spring, probably around the summer, as soon as like. I'm getting some decent velvet horn probably going to come out. I'll put maybe three to four and I've got about 48 acres or so. I'll mm-hmm. put three or four cams out in some general areas, probably something on the mineral site to get an inventory, but then everything else I'll find. So I'll try to find a new corridor. I'll try to find a new path. And typically what I end up getting is, all right, it's a bunch of does now. I mean, now for, and I know every land's different and especially when you're talking about that small of a parcel, but I mean, you mm-hmm. probably can relate to that with your, the 20 acres behind your house probably i'm assuming so i mean it's for me it seems like well number one i don't really start seeing the deer the the bucks until about the pre-rut right before the pre-rut like a week before i'll start getting big deer showing up it'll be at night usually Mm -hmm. and then as soon as the rut starts obviously i'll get i mean honestly we might even see a deer tonight and a big one you know on their feet you know so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it just that's not until that time, which I'm okay with. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, what is? I mean, do, I mean, what's the the key to that? I mean, are you doing it every two weeks, every week? I mean, are you go, are you moving the cameras in different locations? Are you constantly moving them? Are you just kind of letting them, you get you're going to put them out in like a certain area? You're going to let them soak. You're not going to touch them for like three weeks, and then you're going to go check them and then see what's what what the deal is. Yeah, so so I'll run the cameras year round, like I said. So once May, J- June gets here, you know, um, the deer are starting to grow. You can kind of start to tell who's going to be good and who's not. And um, at that point, you know, I'm pretty much 
putting food out, putting feed out, trying to get them on camera. Um, and I run right now. I have 18 cameras, 18. Yeah. <laughs> on, a, on four different pieces, about 300 acres total. Um, and I feel like I need a handful more. Dude, you, you ain't lying. So like, I'm going to take you to my back cave downstairs to my, uh, my, my garage, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's where I've got all my gear, but I've got like, you know, I, I've, my wife was like, how many trail cams do you need? I was like, Ten more thousands, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and honestly, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I'll get, you know, for my card cams, I'll, I'll get a Walmart special, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, it's a Tasco for you know, on sale for 29 99. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, but yeah. now will it make it two years? Probably not. I've probably lost three cams already this year that are just for one reason or another, they've crapped out or whatever, but that's okay. It's all right. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. It's replaceable. I'm probably right. going to buy one before Christmas. I'm probably going to get three more for Christmas. So, But anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, 18 cams. Yep. So I run. So that's kind of like what I was saying as well. You know, um, if you're hunting kind of ag land where it's really open fields and everything kind of bottled necks, you know, you can get away with a lot less cameras. But like on my pieces that are just so wooded, you know, they could be moving. You know, they may have a travel corridor that's, you know, 50 yards wide and, you know, 100, 200 yards long, you know, yeah. you may need three cameras to catch all that. Cause you know, a lot of times the, the bucks, um, they don't seem like they like, they won't use the same trails. The does will. Ah, uh, okay. It's, it's seen, that I've noticed, you know, they don't walk straight into it out of the back of a food plot or something, you know, they'll kind of take a little right. different route around and, you know, um, you know, they just do stuff different. And, um, so, I run a lot of cameras. I try to find a big deer, you know, and pretty much soon as, you know, about July or August gets here, I'm trying to see if, you know, I can get him to do the same thing. I'll move cameras around to try to see if I can find him um, on his way to or from gotcha. that food plot a little more. Um, honest, so, honestly, so you do spring plots? Is that, do you do spring food plots usually um, for that reason or no? Um, no, not too much. Um, I've, we've planted peas before in the summer, but they just get decimated in a week. Yeah. Um, it's almost not even worth it unless right. you can plant, you know, acres of it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, really, I just pretty much feed. And so, yeah, I try to, you know, find the deer doing what they do, you know, um, early season, you know, they're going to do, they're going to make loops randomly, um, kind of what they're going to do for the fall, you know, a little cool front or something comes through and they'll make a random loop that they don't normally do. Um, so that's kind of, you think they kind of come out of that summer range and, it, and they, they kind of hit the fall range when it gets a that's temperature, it does a little dip, huh? Mm-hmm. And okay. I mean, even in like July, they'll do that. Really? Yeah. yeah I, that's awesome. So like, yeah, I mean, um, Blades lived on, he was on all sides of like a hundred acre piece that I had. And then when he went from three to four years old, he only lived on the front 20. And one evening, um, it it rained early that afternoon. It was like late June, I think. And he made that big loop again. And he hadn't been there. He hadn't done that in, you know, a year. Yeah. And, um, you know, then when the rut came, you know, um, he was kind of making that same loop that he made in the summer. I don't know if it was random. I know it, it was his home range the year before, but, you know, they get right. smaller the older they get, their yeah. home ranges. So, you know, um, this year it worked out, and last year it worked out with Rachel's deer. You know, I was able to kill the deer on the feed pattern. Um, but other than that, it hasn't worked out too well in the, in the with the some of the other deer. Right. And uh, so I just try to find um, – I, I, 
I really like the rut, the pre-rut. You know, a lot yeah. of people don't like that. They like to have a deer pattern in October and try to kill them then. Gee, man. But uh, <laughs> I love I, those random visitors, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have much luck with that. And uh, so I try to, you know, get a deer doing something, you know, in late October, maybe an hour before daylight or, you know, an hour after daylight and get mm-hmm. him doing something two or three times. And that's kind of the way I work, you know. Um, I don't. I like to see, I like to have a deer there doing something that, um, you know, I'm in there with a plan after a deer and have a strategy rather than just go sit somewhere random. Um, like one of my farms that's been really good in the past two years, you know, I don't really have a big deer out there. Um, I got a handful of like one twenties that are mature deer that I would hunt, but you know, they're not really showing up. So I'm not, you know, going to waste my time in the next two weeks going out there hunting. Right. If they're not showing up. I mean, I'm at this point, I'm, I have spots that I can go hunt, like see does and stuff and not mess up my, my big deer places. And, um, you know, I'm content doing that. I don't have to run in there after a buck when it's not perfect. Dude, I think you just dropped a really good gem that I, I've been wanting to share with our listeners in for a while. But, you know, um, and look, I, I totally get, and I think Walker, you probably even know that it's hard. It's hard to get to hunting land sometimes. It really is. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, trust me, I've been the guy who's been, you know, I've not had a place to hunt on multiple seasons. And, you know, whether that's a hunting club or just a, a private piece or whatever, I mean, God for, I mean, I don't even want to get into how I'm to buy land. That's, that's just, that's my ultimate retirement goal if there's any left. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're right. And it's so like, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I think the last two, two, three years is where I really got, you know, and I think the Sequon guys are the ones that really impressed, you know, really just kind of inspired me, I guess, to be a little bit more, um, I don't know what it, I mean. Aggressive. Yeah, there you go. Like aggressive, trying to find more property. And I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, you know how introverted I am, right? You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> so, and I'm totally kidding. I'm, yeah. compl- I'm a complete extrovert, but, uh, and, and that's easy for me. That's easy for me because I'm, I, when I talk to people, if they mention the word property or woods or it's just, they drop any slight in that they may have more than one acre behind their house. The first thing I ask is, do you have woods back there? Have you seen deer back there? And would you mind if I bow hunt it? You know, <laughs> yeah. if it's a lot, I'll ask if I can gun on it. But believe it or not, that strategy, for, I mean, for me, I don't know about you, I guess I'm going to ask you that. But I mean, for me, now I have access to, I've got 98 acres in one place, just me. Um, it's it's the place I was telling you about that's kind of hard to get to. But mm-hmm. And then there's uh, a little five acre place. It's a buddy of mine that I'm hunting with him, but it's still fun. It's a great place I can go. And then it's just not far from the house. And then mm-hmm. uh, my 48 acre. And I also have a 200 acre place I can go to, you know, on the other side of the county. And it's like, again, some of, some of them I have to share with people. Some of them I have to hunt with the landowner, but two of them I don't, I can go by myself anytime. So, I mean, and I think, you know, and also there's public land, like not even, I mean, maybe 15 minutes behind my house, you know? So, I mean, it's like, there's plenty of places to go, but I think the key point where you were keying in on was the fact that to not booger up what you got going on, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're on a big deer and it's Mm -hmm. a bad day to go, don't go, you know, go hunt one of those other places, go knock a doe down, get the Mm -hmm. meat done. And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I told Walker, we're not going to shoot any does today, but then again, I'm sitting here and thinking to myself, I don't have meat in the freezer yet. And I'm probably going to get trigger happy, but you know, so, but anyway, but yeah, dude, so I mean that, that's kind of what your strategy usually is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at the same time too, you know, I'm a 
bow hunter primarily. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't gun hunt at all too much. And like I said, I'm real low pressure and try to, you know, um, not mess up my land at all. Even when I'm just going in to check cameras, you know, I'm, I, I, you probably, you'll never see me going in my land. Like, you know, at times when I think deer could be in there, I'm going in there at lunchtime, you know, I'll go in there if it's raining, you know, and I'm yeah. this time of year, if I'm driving in there, it's to, it's to load up a deer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we, uh, we don't take the four wheeler out during deer season unless mm-hmm. we're now, if we're recovering a deer, yeah, dude, right. sorry, busting it up, yep. busting it yep. all up, you know, cause I, yep. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not dry. I'm too old. I'm too fat. Mm-hmm. You know, I gotta, I gotta pull deer out, but, uh, yeah, man. I mean, so, I mean, that's kind of, I love the fact that she kind of explains you how, how your, uh, trail cam. So, I mean, let's say you go to a new piece of property and you know, you, I mean, it's not all 18 cameras, I guess. I mean, obviously it depends mm-hmm. on what you got going mm-hmm. on, but I mean, do you, I mean, is it like the first thing you go for is like, you just find like a trail or right, I'm just going to put it on this random trail and kind of see what's happening. Or are you going to go find the food or are you more um, find the water source? I mean, what's your, what's your go-to usually? Well, um, in Troop County, there's a pretty good bit of water. Just about every piece of land has water on it. Um, so that's not a, a big, um, you know, attractant point. You know, right. they can usually go anywhere and get water. Um, it, it depends on the time of year. I, I'll look for, you know, past um, past a sign from, you know, scrapes or rubs in places. Um, a lot of times I'll try to find like, you know, a, the a ridge off a hill or trail. Yeah, like you said. And then, um, you know, we can feed corn here. So yeah. I usually put corn out in a couple of places and put two cameras up and, um, you know, let that run for a week or two weeks and, uh, see, see what we got going on. If there's a good buck there, you know, then I kind of, um, maybe get another camera or two and move in and try to figure out where he's coming on to the property. Um, my pieces aren't that big. Uh, I have one that's, um, like a little less than a hundred and then one that's like 80 Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I got a couple twenties, uh, two or three twenties. Yeah. So they're pretty small, especially the twenties, you know, I'm kind of right. getting right on the edge. Um, they're trying to figure out what the deer are doing coming in, you know? And, um, so, so yeah, that, that's pretty much what I do for like a new place. And then, like I said, you know, just try to figure out every, every big deer has his personality. He has yes. his area. He does something different, you know, blades last year was um really consistent at night once october got here he would come work that one scrape where i shot tank he would come work that you know once a week or whatever this year i got another really big deer there and um you know i've seen him like twice he's not so i'm having to move around is he he at night or during daylight hours he's been at night every time that's great. You haven't dubbed him a name yet until you're sure you can get on him a day. Well, <laughs> his name's Pretty Boy. Pretty Boy. Oh yeah. my gosh. And that's he great. and he's like a he's like a hundred and forty inch ten pointer and he is Oof. like he is dead symmetrical. I mean he is oh, beautiful. Oh man. Yeah. I got a feeling we're gonna be watching that video before the year's over. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> you're stressing rut. me out. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. I hated that to take you away from him, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean seriously, like all of our, our, our goal for every single guest is for us to get, you know, invited to go hunt at at their places and so that's like you know so now i'm just kind of hoping like okay maybe i'll be the guy to put them down you know i'm just kidding i'm kidding no dude um no we that's not exactly what we're doing (laughs) kidding not kidding (laughs) i'm taking you to my place yeah 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 so um so i mean i guess that's part of it you know i mean would you say it's more of like hey i got them on the corn right on the as far as the cameras go we were talking cameras Mm -hmm. you got them the corn so is it kind of like all right you kind of figure try to figure where that deer came from and then you start kind of moving back do you move back 20 yards 30 yards 50 yards i mean how do you um i mean it depends on it depends on the layout you know 
I do. I move cameras all around. Um, like I said, you know, a lot of my stuff is mix of 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 pines and oaks. Mm. Um, so just kind of following the natural lay, and you know, um, if there's a scrape fifty or sixty yards away, I'll put it there. You know, just try to find him as many point or get him on as many points as I can, and um, you know, see if how consistent he's being. And, um, you know, usually if I can get them on, on a scrape, you know, if they're not just kind of coming randomly and feeding, if I can, you know, see them early in October or something on a scrape, which is kind of the situation with Pretty Boy. Um, when the night I shot Rabdo, he came through and worked that big scrape up front. Oh, man. And so that was, I'd seen him through the summer twice, but I was kind of like, eh, you know, he may be here, he may not, but he showed up on, he, he came and worked a scrape. So I'm like, okay, you know, he's, he's one you know, willing to rut here to chase does here. So that, mm. that, that kind of put me in the ball game on him. Right. You know, so, um, that that's kind of in the middle of my property. So I haven't seen him. I was hoping he would show up with this cold front last weekend. He didn't show up. Mm-hmm. So I went and walked, um, a big area around there and I actually found another transition line of four or five scrapes that were really big, some rubs on some cedar trees so I put two cameras up right there, and you know, hopefully he's been there this week. But I don't know yet. I haven't checked. Oh, dude, yeah, like that's you know, with Fat Boy, I was telling you about one of our deer that we've got. We're we're watching this year, and my the one that my dad shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's still alive, and as far as we know. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like yeah, once they start showing up, I mean, it's like you said, they they are they're like they're willing to rut there. That's I think that's a key thing that a lot of people forget about, like. I mean, just because the buck is, you know, it's, and if you're, especially if you've got them before the rut mm-hmm. and you see those scrapes, I mean, that should, that should tell you that your, your chances to see them in daylight, you're, you mm-hmm. will see, you, you might get an opportunity at them mm-hmm. during, during the rut for yep. sure. If, but if you're, if you're there on the right day, he's definitely going to, he's going to be back there. If he came and worked a scrape there, he's going to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not promising you, he's going to be in daylight at, every time or one yeah, the day you yeah. hunt, but it's like you said, those days where, you know, that front is in there and I know it's hard to catch a front and you know, the timing has to be right for yourself and your schedule. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, to me, you know, something Jeff Sturge just said, a great, you know, when it's a great day outside and it's cool and it's cold, especially here in Georgia, when we have to think about, you know, it's so hot here and it's so humid. If we could get out and walk outside and, and we might have to throw on like a, a little light, you know, hoodie or something, but it's just nice. That's typically a killer day to go deer hunting usually oh, yeah. because to the deer, that feels good to them too. And so mm-hmm. all of them are on their feet. You know, I think I would even venture to say rut or not, because mm-hmm. I mean, the bucks yeah. probably will get up too. Mm-hmm. It's definitely just that, sooner. Yeah, definitely sooner. And, and you know, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you, you think you agree with that too. I would imagine. So, I mean, it's just, it, that's just, you know, to me, that's just killer advice, man. I mean, I, I used to always wonder when people say, well, I got a camera on them and I got a camera on the scrape, but, and then, so, but then, you know, but then I patterned them this, and I'm like, well, whoa, 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 whoa. I got the part where you, you got them on the scrape. You know, you got him on the corn, but I didn't get the part about how you figured out what trails he was going to use. I mean, and then, you know, and honestly, I thought I was crazy for like going, I need at least 12 cameras for, you know, and I'm not apparently because I mean, you would, you would need to put them in almost on the line almost to figure it out. So mm-hmm. sweet. That's awesome. I love that. That's a killer tip. <laughs> so what, 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 I mean, when you set your stands up, I notice, uh, are you, are you more of a lock on guy or are you just kind of whatever you get your hands on or? Yeah. Um, I, I have a pretty good bit of lock ons, um, 
four or five of those, and then I also have a few ladder stands. You know, I, I don't like rails around me. Yeah, um, so I used to hunt out of the summit climbers a good bit, but they're kind of in the way, especially with the camera. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, the the ladder stands without rails, and then the lock ons are kind of my go to. I haven't, I don't have a saddle yet. Um, I'm wanting I'll, to get I'll, one. I was wait, I was wondering. I was going to ask you that. I was like, I bet Walker's going to be a saddle guy. And yeah. I'm, so you're going to so you're going to be saddling trees uh, next year for sure, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, this year, other than um, Rabdo, you know, and and then that other big ten pointer I have, I really don't have anything big, you know. And if it hadn't been for Rabdo, you know, I probably would have went and tried to find um, a good deer on public land, and then definitely would have, you know, gotten a saddle and and went that route. Um, to, to hunt, you know, because it's hard to carry a stand in. And public land around um, West Point Lake, which is uh, right there where I live, um, you can't leave a stand up. I don't know if you can on any public land. Nah, well, I think you can leave some up here in Houston County. I mean, or on, um, I think, what are we, um, Oaky Woods, which is right over here. I mean, I, I think you can leave a, a stand up, but it's like a first come, first serve kind of thing. And mm-hmm. there's somebody yeah. sitting in it, dude. No, yeah, well, it doesn't yeah. matter if you bought it. <laughs> yeah, so definitely have to go with the saddle if i was if i was going to do that and I, I see myself doing that um in the next in the next year for sure definitely that's awesome man so while we're on the subject of gear you know i mean <clears throat> who doesn't love talking gear so i mean from a call perspective i mean are you do you have like a certain i mean we don't really talk much about calling but i mean do you have like a certain things like i like you i mean are you more of a i'd rather use like some spike antlers or would you are you more of a i mean you're a rattleback guy or i mean yeah, so I have I have a rattle bag. Um, I I used to use it a good bit. Um, a few years ago, when I gun hunted more, I used it a lot more. Um, now, you know, bigger deer are a little bit suspicious of it already. You know, you're, yeah, you're kind of when when you're rattling, um, you know, you're drawing their attention to it, and a lot of times they're going to come downwind. A lot of times they're going to come in pretty alert. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I've had good encounters with you know year and a half and two two and a half year old deer but a big deer he's pretty smart and it's it's hard to fool them you think everybody's good at something but you know i don't feel i happen to think i happen to think i'm pretty decent at rattling and grunting you know Mm -hmm. so but um thing about rattling you know there's there's a couple things number one you need to know how to do it right because i mean a Mm -hmm. lot of Rattle bags are okay and they're great, but I mean, to me, like like the horns we have here on the, uh, I mean, again, this would be great if people could see, but these probably would have been good rattling horns. Um, mm-hmm. And that's used that used to be all that I used. I mean, I got I've got a bag now too because I can kind of fake it a little bit, about, you know, but not near as good as these. Right. Um, I need to get some more, but I don't want to shoot a spike to get it. <laughs> so, but uh, but you know, one thing I, I've rattled in. A couple of two and a half, three and a half year olds. The only two mature bucks that I've ever rattled in were, again, it, it's classic. When I when they say they come downwind, them jokers come. Extra, I mean, it's true. It's truth, man. Downwind, you're coming. They're coming downwind, and they're they're gonna pick you off. I think, but it's also how good you sell that fight. Mm-hmm. You the stuff you see on TV, I think, is garbage. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I mean, these are great TV shows. You guys got to know that's a lot of smoke and mirror stuff. I, you know, they, they, they rattle like some of the most, it's the dumbest thing I've seen. If, if, if there are deer fighting like that, they're probably going to die that year for being that dumb. I mean, it's just, it's not, that's not how whitetails really fight. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I, 
you know, it's more of a, it's, it's like, a, I don't know. We'll do a whole episode people on Mike's, you know, method to rattling, but the, the point I'm getting at, you need to do, you need to sell it. You know, you mm-hmm. need to like kick, kick trees, you know, right, move right. stuff. I mean, you should be on the ground. It really depends on where you're set up because they will come downwind mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. I, I think with the grunt call, you can get, you can get away with it a little more. Yeah, you can. Um, but the, like you said, the rattling is so, so loud and, um, you know, draws so much attention that they know exactly where it is. Yeah, you know, from hundreds of yards away, they know exactly where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and they come in looking at you know, yeah, looking I mean, at your tree, <laughs> right? Exactly. And if you're just in a tree and that's all the noise you're making, they'll immediately, like you're saying, they'll bust you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, so I mean, do you have like a particular call that you're like, that's that's the call, like uh, that's the one. I mean, yeah, I use the extinguisher. Yeah, drunk call. I like that one a lot. It you know, it it can do everything and. um the, from the fawn bleats to the big buck grunts, and you know, I like the tube and all. I mean, yeah, yeah it's pretty basic, I guess. Yeah, no, the extinguisher, man. I think that's the closest one on the major market that I've heard. You know, I mean, I'm real picky about like I have two grunt calls now that were given to me, and I don't like them. I don't like either one of them. One's a Walmart special. Like I think it's a flex tone. Nothing against flex tone, but I just just mm-hmm. just doesn't do it. I can do a better snort. I, I, honestly, I don't think anybody makes a great snort wheeze. I can do it way better with my mouth than oh, yeah. I can do Same. it. And to be honest, if I'm probably not going to snort wheeze ever again at a deer because it's like kind of like what my buddy Ryan told us on the first episode is. Just because that is a giant deer over there does not mean he's the bad, baddest joker out there. If he feels like there's a bigger deer that can kick his butt. You snort, go snort wheeze at him. He'll, he'll bolt. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you might get, it'll just go, it could go bad. It's too dangerous. In my opinion, if you're, if you really want that deer and you're on them, but again, we'll go through, we'll do a whole episode talking about Mike's you know, rattling and grinding methods. But anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, uh, I guess, man, I mean, I noticed you use Ozonics a good bit. And now, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I personally, Years ago, I mean, and I listened, I, I was listening to the uh, Wired to Hunt podcast uh, with Mark Kenyon and like him and uh, Dan Johnson, uh, his co-host at the time were just so about Ozonics. And, you know, again, I'm so leery with gear, you know, I just, I, you don't know what's out there and what's, uh, you know, does this suck? Is it really bad? Is this somebody selling snake oil or something like that? So, um, you know, I was a little bit, I've read a ton of stuff on it. I'm like, all right, that's a big if you're telling me you can fool a mature whitetail's nose a hundred percent, you know, you gotta be full of it. You yeah. know, I mean, there's no way there's no way. <laughs> and so, um, but, uh, you know, again, just the thought of not having to worry about getting busted on my downwind ever again, uh, really, <laughs> really appealed to me. So mm-hmm. I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I gotta get this for Christmas. So I bought it and you know, I've been hooked ever since. So is that, you've been pretty much your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, for the most part, you know, um, I do a whole lot. My scent control regimen's pretty, pretty intense, I guess. And yes. uh, all the way from, you know, showering to yeah. keeping my stuff in totes. And, you know, I'll even um, put my ozonics in the tote, you know, and put it on like the dry wash setting. I think yeah. it is. And, run it through there and then i use scent lock gear you know um oh yes so i like the scent lock stuff um just because you know i don't wash my socks and my underwear and my undershirt you know and yeah. scent free stuff so i like wearing that to keep all that kind of locked in and uh you know i'm pretty big believer in the phase system um they kind of changed my way of thinking on scent control 
um, in the last year or so. so. Yeah, what is the phase system? You know, phase. Um, it's it's part of the the Deer Society stuff. You know, okay. the extinguisher and the black rack. But right. um, they have uh, shampoo. It's a little kit you buy, and it's shampoo and um, uh, body wash, and then they have detergent and um, deodorant and uh, body lotion and field foam. So it's everything pretty much, but like a field spray. Right. Um, they don't have anything for field spray uh, at the moment, but um, their thinking is that most of the scent that alerts a deer is more so off your body than it is off of like your gear. You know, because uh, I'd, I'd agree with that for yeah, yeah. Because sure. I mean, even I, I've put out a camera that's been sitting in my room, you know, and um, put out a camera and deer standing out in front of it. They don't seem to be freaked out by the smell of it, you know. Right. You know, just from like wiping it down with a scent-free, you know. Um, little uh, wipe or something yeah um i feel like it, it's mostly from skin and that's that's what they believe or they they made me believe that um the research they did you know as soon as you take a shower you're you know you're um you don't you're not putting off any smell you know your hair is clean all that but you know you always have skin cells like coming off your body and yeah they i believe it's called like microbials is what they say yeah. it's like your your skin breaking down and all that starts putting out scent as your skin starts drying out. Yeah, the pores pours up and back up. Right, right. So they have the lotion, and you're supposed to put the lotion, you know, you're supposed to put it everywhere. Put the lotion on the skin. <laughs> but, I, but I usually just put it, like, you know, from my knees down, you know, where my pants, right, where the scent would be coming out from under my pants, and then up my arms to, like, my shoulders, and then around my neck and my face. That's um, pretty, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's freaking cool. And um, something that I learned this year about it as well is um, me and my dad went hunting a couple weeks ago and I hunted this spot where the mosquitoes were real bad and I put the lotion on and he, he didn't want to put it on and I didn't get eaten up by mosquitoes and he did. So it's almost like they didn't they didn't want to get on me with that lotion. So that's two benefits to it there. But, uh, you know, the lotion's supposed to like lock in the scent and then they have a field foam that you're supposed to wipe on your hands once you get in the tree and wipe your face and stuff and, and hair with as well, like anywhere you might have sweat a little bit getting in. That's um, awesome. And so that's, that's their theory is most of your scent that's alerting deer is off your body instead of off your gear. That's um, crazy. So, you know, to me, you know, well, I mean, my, Number one, my uh, my solution to ticks and mosquitoes seems to be the freaking COVID vaccine because I had to get it because I work for the government. But <laughs> but you know, anyway, whole another story. But uh, that you know, man, that just makes all the sense in the world to me because I mean, I've got uh, I used the scent crusher. Uh, I've got the locker and then the field bag. You know, you thirty minutes before, I, like pretty much the drive out to the place. I'll put that bad boy on and we're gonna roll. Mm -hmm. um, and Pretty much, I, I mean, I and I honestly, I mean, I haven't been. I get busted visually all the time. It's, it's for one stupid reason or another. I get busted visually. Usually, I don't. I rarely get busted from a scent thing. I mean, if it if it does, it's because the I've literally had the Ozonics battery die, and then you know, not even two minutes later, poof, you know, just like <laughs> they're there. That's all you hear is blow, blowing, going off in the back, and then you know it's over. But <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but after that, man, really, I mean. But, you know, the times I, I mean, I do still think there are, and like I say, I don't think anything still to this day is going to be 1,000, 100, 100%. But if you can help make it better, mm -hmm. and to me, anything is worth trying. So, I mean, definitely, I didn't think about that lotion at all. Like, 
eliminating your scent uh, going in. I mean, like I said, from the pant legs, that makes all the sense in the world to me because that's where your sweat's going to run down to. Mm-hmm. That's where things are going to, you know, leak out, so to speak. So it's like if you're not doing that, you're you're yeah, you're going to throw scent out. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. So that's so that's been a that's been a pretty high on that one so far. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I spray down all my gear, my gear other than my camera and what has to be recharged and my bow are like the only thing that comes in the house. Yeah. The rest of it's outside. Um, the, the scent lock stuff stays in a tote, you know, and you can, um, you know, you every 40 hours or something, 30 or 40 hours of wear time, you put it in the dryer and that reactivates the carbon. Um, Crazy. Running it in the dryer. I've been, I've been, uh, uh, I've been ozoning my (laughs) suit. So I've probably ruined it. I don't know if I have or not, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've heard some people saying that it like dries out the some of the material that like is like the glue or the epoxy to hold stuff together. It'll dry it out. Those on wheels, but um, I think if you don't visually see it wearing it out, it's okay. Okay, yeah, I've got a whole jumpsuit in there that I love. It's great for the winter, but man, yeah, no, my I was stoked that my wife even like I've wanted a scent lock suit since I was I watched Butt Masters with Jackie Bushman because that's their big deal. But uh, yeah, man, that's uh. So I mean, is there any other gear that you're kind of like, man, that's the junk. I got to get that, or I've or something. No, I take that back. Something you, you've gotten that you're like, oh man, this is game changer. I love it. Yeah, I mean, um, really, the scent control is is the 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 biggest thing that's uh, made a big difference for me the last few years. And like you said, you know, with the the winds we have here in Georgia, I mean, if you got to do something, yeah, I mean, you gotta, I mean, you can't just sit here and hunt the wind. You know, because right. it it's gonna bite you. You got to do everything you can. Be nice if you could, especially yeah. like in the uh, early early archery. Especially yeah. right now is terrible. I promise you, the winds coming out of the east north northeast. When we get out there, it could be. I mean, like it could be coming dead west. We don't know. Like, right, and, right. and then it can and it's gonna change six times while we're there. Yep. So yeah. So early season, I won't hunt a bad wind at all. But then you know, once it gets cold, um, I have a lot less issues with scent. Mm-hmm. Um, with deer smelling me and stuff once it starts getting cold, especially in the morning, you know, thermals rising. Um, if you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, that's that's just a big advantage. I always yeah. count on my thermals, mm-hmm. always. Yep. So in the afternoon, they go down. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when they got to turn on, turn on the good stuff. Yep, yep. That's awesome, man. So, um, so I guess, like, I mean, we talked about some of the things that you do, and golly, dude, I wish I had like two more hours with you because mm-hmm. it would be, we could get so much more, but uh, definitely need to have you back when Kelby's here because I know he definitely, he watched all your videos and he was like, oh God, yeah, yeah, this uh-huh. guy's gonna be great. Um, so I want to talk to Rut a little bit because we're coming up on it so much and I'm going to try to figure out, do, do you do anything differently during the rut or if it's like you're still fixated on this, the same deer, you're just going to kind of stay in the that same area or are you going to um, kind of... Well, yeah, I mean, I'll have new deer show up, you know, and like I said, just kind of monitor the cameras. That's my, I live and die by the cameras. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, just watching those. If I have a big deer that shows up somewhere random, you know, I'm, I'm jumping in there, you know, I'm kind of pretty, pretty flexible, I guess, with that. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a person that's like fixated on like this spot's been great in the past. I got to hunt that that day or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm more burned me more than once. Golly. Yeah. I try to focus on, on deer movement and, and the, you know, most recent information of what my cameras are telling me exactly for the rut. But, 
So you you will if you do see like a, a visitor, you'll be like, oh, he's been here for like days for like a day or two days. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you, or maybe you got two of them. You're gonna you're gonna try to like get in the middle of that and right, right. Gotcha. And, but at the same time, like um like I was saying, one of my properties, um, it's really good. Like first few days of of the month. So like you know the in November, um, the first four or five days, the deer cruise really good there, and then. I guess it's the second rut and third rut or whatever, like December 1st, that first week will be good. And Dude. then January 1st. So that property is really good. Like the first week of every month. And then my other property where I shot Rabdo, it's like the 12th through the 17th. So those, those days are really good. So if I don't have anything crazy going on, I know that I need to be on that land at least, um, during those time periods. You mentioned the set, the second and third, rut, And, and, I mean, and I think what Walker's referring to is like, you know, that you've got your matriarch dose. They're pretty much going to come in. The, that's the, that's the main rut. That's mm-hmm. the rut yep. that we yep. all live and live and live for is the, that first big November kickoff. But then the younger, the year, younger yearlings, they, they go into the December. Like I, like I have got some that will come first week of September. Sometimes it's the, sometimes it's right around and Christmas dude. So it's like, okay, here's the, you know, you're you're not married and have kids yet, right? So, all right, when you get married and have kids, you're about to see a whole new world of like frustration when it comes to deer hunting. So, like <laughs> Halloween, always hunt Halloween. That's when you kill tank, right? Or was it? Um, no. So I, I saw a tank on Halloween. I, okay. I did. I did admit, um, miss a chance at a deer last year on Halloween, but always hunt Halloween. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it yeah, is. Halloween's Just hunt good. Halloween, but being a dad i can't do that because mm-hmm. i've got a i've got kids and one year one halloween it was like it was like gale force winds like but i mean i would have still gone anyway but uh christmas dude there's some every christmas i mean i'm talking about four years like three years four years in a row that i've been on this property every freaking year there is a giant with his nose to the ground, cruising for does. I mean, it's either Christmas morning, mm-hmm. the day after Christmas, or even the week. The, and then Thanksgiving, I mean, too, too, they're still, that's like in between. Right. I just feel like, I mean, they, the bucks chase all year long, I, I think. Don't you think mm-hmm. that? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of what I was saying, the difference between us and like the Midwest, you know, out there, the winters are so much harsher. Those does have to come in, you know, November. They have to, you know just about all be bred right then. You know, if they make it to December or January, you know, those, those fawns are going to not going to make it yeah. the next year. Um, so it does seem to be a lot more lenient here. Um, so one piece of property that we hunt um, is only like 20 miles from my house and yeah. um, they don't even start scraping out there until after Thanksgiving. Wow. Like their rut is after Christmas. So y'all, that's more on the Alabama schedule then. Right, it is. It's right up up to Alabama. That's interesting. So you've got that diverse of a herd right around that area. That is so mm-hmm. cool. I mean, not even 20 miles. That's yep. just crazy. Yep. I mean, I guess what do you think is the best, the biggest thing facing hunters now? Like, I mean, as us as a community, I mean, or us versus the government or us versus what, I mean, what what do you think like is the biggest thing that's screwing up hunting or right now you think um well i think a lot of us are, are hurting each other you know there's all these different subsets of hunters you know the public land versus private land the you know bow hunters versus gun hunters mm-hmm. you know um hunting over food versus not you know we're all kind of jumping on each other for you know um different things that we don't agree on when we really need to all be together because i mean hunting is 
you know, hunter recruitment's kind of declining. You know, there's less hunters than there used to be. Um, it does seem like the people that hunt now are, are really, really die hard, you know, for the most part. But, um, yeah, we're definitely hurting each other a little bit, you know, and we don't, we don't need to do that because, you know, we already have enough from, from the government, you know, and the, the general public, um, when they see, you know, every, you know, if you see a hunting movie or a movie where there's a hunter in it, you know, from Hollywood or whatever, it's always the redneck beer drinking, Mm. you know, shining a flashlight, blowing deer away at night, Yeah, you know, and it's, it, that, that's not the case for, you know, anybody that I know really that, right. that hunts and, um, and we're, you know, we're, we're all up in Georgia people. <laughs> right. Yep. And, uh, you know, so, um, I mean, and there's a, there's a need to hunt, you know, I mean, deer cute, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I, I love animals and wildlife just as much as the next person, you know, and that's why, you know, we spend so much money to, you know, put towards conservation and, and make sure these deer, you know, live and have the, the best habitat. And, uh, you know, there is a need for it. I mean, you see out in like the Midwest where, you know, they get a EHD and CWD and mm-hmm. lose a third or half of their herd, you know, out there. And, you know, mother nature has its way of balancing things out, but, you know, we can help it. And, you know, I, I look at deer as a resource, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, I, I want, I want it to be around for a long time, you know? Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I used to work for a, play, a company from New Jersey, and they would tell me all the time, you know, why don't you bring your Georgia redneck stuff up here and come shoot some of these deer? Because 10 people in their office had, like, out of the 15, had all hit deer that mm-hmm. year. Yeah. I mean, it's because people in that area don't hunt them, and so it's overrun. And so right. that's when they bring the stupid, you know, well, we're going to call the government and write a $50,000 contract for to hire three police snipers to go shoot deer. And mm-hmm. then they're going to bury them in a hole, you know? And it's just like, for me, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing. Yeah. You know, why would you do that? Like, we, you could, do you know how much money you could make for your state right. alone just by going, hey, hunters, we got problems. We got lots of mm-hmm. deer. Why don't y'all come on in? And I mean, and, and in the backyards of people's backyards, fine. Let's do what Seek One does. Let's let us, let us bow hunt them. Right. We'll get, we'll clear them out of there. I mean, and. I give it three. I wouldn't even think it would take two to three weekends to put a giant dent in mm-hmm. the population. And you'll probably feed a lot of your homeless and your needy. Yep. And, you know, I mean, it's just, there, there's so many reasons to do it, but right, right. Uh, yeah, man, that's a great point. I, I definitely think, you know, especially we've talked about this on the show tons of times. I think our last episode with uh, Mike Love and Cody um, talked about, you know, how um, deer bashing is horrible and it, and it is. And it, we we can't afford that. I mean, the hunter recruitment is is bad. I mean, we are in a serious situation. I mean, a lot of young kids aren't hunting, and and they should be. Uh, and we need to be doing everything we can. I mean, do like mm-hmm. like doing podcasts and videos, and yep. the more we do that, and the more interest they get into it, you don't know who you're inspiring to do it. So right, we right. have to do that. So. Dude, I, I we gotta have you back. We have gotta have you back on the show. Like, I, if it's if it's this year, if it's next year, we we gotta have you back. We gotta have it when Kelby's here, especially. I'm down, dude. So we're uh, we're hopefully going to have a a hog hunt that we hopefully can do live. So we're gonna try to have you and a bunch of other our guests come. So if you want to come down and blast some bacon, we want you to come down and do that too. But right, uh, yeah, I'll do that for sure. Awesome. So um. Guys, uh, again, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, it's just been a great couple of weeks. Uh, again, for all of you who've written, like I said, written in and 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 text us and and sent us messages, it's been just awesome and, and crazy. But uh, 
So appreciate it. But uh, guys, um, go check out Walker's YouTube page. Okay, first and foremost. All right, go like, subscribe, follow him, leave him likes and comments. It helps the page. Um, you know, oh, I didn't ask you that. Are you, are you uh, so you think you're going to take this thing a little further or what? Um, well, you know, I guess, I guess we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I'm open to it. Uh, when I was young, I wanted to, you know, work for Realtree, you oh, know, they, too, dude. <laughs> they, they live, you know, pretty close to me and right. I'm, I've met David Blanton a few times. And, um, so that's what I wanted to do, but I wasn't too crazy about, you know, being gone three or four months of the year away yeah, from home, but absolutely. you know, how Seek One and Midwest Whitetail, you know, they have places you know they can make a show out of it and you know yeah. make make a living doing it that way so i mean i would definitely be interested in in doing it doing that type of way the digital um world is this changed the game dude it has it's it changed has. the game well guys you heard it so go 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 check out walker's uh go support walker please uh like his pages uh if he throws up any of his social media stuff you can get him on instagram at, at walk one two six all right right and then uh you can uh and i think your youtube page is it, is it just walker scarborough and that's yep. it okay just look uh look on youtube walker scarborough you'll see right you probably you'll see rabdo probably the first one and then you'll <laughs> see all the other giants that uh had a bit the dust but uh Guys, yeah, please support Walker. Do everything you can. Uh, we need to support our, our, our local hunters. I mean, and, and of course, if you're in from Georgia, absolutely. But if you're a hunter in general, absolutely support Walker. So um, as same thing with the Thirst is Real podcast. You guys know the deal. Like, subscribe, leave reviews. It helps us out, you know, so we can keep making awesome content for you guys. Um, thank you guys so much. And Walker, dude, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Definitely thank you want for you having back. me. All right, brother. Thanks. Thanks.